Welcome to the show. You can watch and subscribe to the Project FIA TV show on YouTube. Drop comments and questions to us on the podcast via Twitter. Our handle is Project FIA. And now sit back, relax, and enjoy. This is Project FIA Goes PC. Hello there, world. We're back. This is episode 109, 109 of FI Goes PC. As always, I'm your host, Rebel Zen, a.k.a. Danny Howe. And yeah, we've taken a hiatus. The major reason was uh, we tried to hit our last podcast, but it was going through bonfire night, and there was just so many fireworks going off. It kind of felt like we were broadcasting live from a war zone. So I spared you all that. We did record some stuff, but it was crazy for kind of like the last two weeks. Lots of fires, lots of fireworks. Basically, uh, Armageddon was happening here in the forest. Uh, We didn't know. I think people were extra crazy this time because obviously they haven't been able to have celebrations for a while here in the UK due to this, uh, you know, pandemic situation or zombie outbreak whatever you prefer but uh that's the reason we haven't been here we've got a lot of outtakes that one day may or may not find their way to the ether or they may just get lost uh in our producer's luggage somewhere on travels i don't know i don't make these things happen i'm simply the talent that they don't pay ever uh anyway i'm not alone uh i've got voices in my head and with those voices is also our producer who may just be a voice or a multiple personality of mine this is our producer winifred say hello hello how are you doing imaginary person that doesn't exist you are my tyler durden (laughs) if you've ever seen flight club i do pay you but in cups of tea yeah 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 and coffee and uh (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> sympathy <laughs> quite a lot of the time um yeah it was pretty much i'm not exaggerating it was like fireworks for two weeks constant wasn't it yeah they were very enthusiastic like at least there's still a few kind of straddlers seven popping to off. ten days after bonfire yeah <laughs> it kind of started on halloween and it just kept yeah. going if people in america don't know what we're referring to it is uh the guy Fawkes. i don't know if it's a celebration you know, uh, your your brother, Rob, young brother, ex-guitarist uh, in my band. Say hello, Rob. Hi, how are you doing, Rob? Uh, his other half, Mika, was talking to me about why do they celebrate all of this stuff? Because there were some pretty unusual celebrations on the South Coast right? that we hadn't seen. And it looked kind of reminiscent of, I don't, I don't know, it looked kind of scary. Mm. Like they were burning crosses and stuff. Oh, okay. Yeah. So that was revealing. Yeah. Gone down to a medieval angry mob that's burning crosses. Well, traditionally, they would burn the effigy of Guy Fawkes. Yeah, now it's just Christians. (laughs) So whatever, (laughs) you know, like to, uh, I think it's uh, people attempting to make Britain great again. Mm. Whatever you want to draw from that, but you can. Um, Seems to be all falling apart. But anyway, none of it was violent. It was just a thing. I, I, I didn't even know that kind of celebration to that level sort of existed. Mm. To me, it seemed a bit medieval, but we were both kind of shocked by the pictures we were finding online. But um, yeah, so Guy Fawkes was the gunpowder plot. Mm -hmm. And this is really cool because, as I like to think, uh, we're coming up to Thanksgiving. So this is the kind of story you want to hear. 
where uh, basically a guy from Yorkshire called Guy Fawkes, who threw his British patriotism to one side and joined the Spanish during the Inquisition, attempted to blow up the Houses of Parliament, which is V for Vendetta mm. or, or V for Vianetta, if you prefer ice cream. <laughs> that is a graphic novel and a film. It's also a graphic novel being read in a film mm. on YouTube. It's like an audiobook. What? But you visually see someone reading it. It's like an unboxing. They unbox the graphic novel. No. And then they read it. That's a thing. No, it's not. Oh, it should be. Should be. <laughs> and then they show the pictures. And then they'll be like, oh, this would be a good film. And then they realize it was a film. Anyway, convoluted. It's kind of loosely based on the concept of that, but mm-hmm. it's a thing that's very uniquely English and no one really understands it. We dub it as bonfire night. So we just burn everything. You know, you just break up with your whoever and you burn all the photos. No. It's that kind of thing. <laughs> and you do uh, pagan rituals. A lot of dancing in forests. Okay. <laughs> I don't know what I'm talking in this about. forest? Yeah, Have some people are dancing? dancing. Yeah, yeah, but it's it's kind of hip-hop around here. Squirrel hip-hop. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's all I do. <laughs> They hop, with their, they hop with their oh hips. They, they, they do. That's, what, that's, that's a squirrel dance. That was not my intention. Oh, Pun yeah. not intended. Yeah, some magpies here too. Mm-hmm. Uh, they don't really dance so much as eat things in the garden. They do. Anyway, so that was interesting. So that's why we weren't here. Patched to that, like a lot of the smoke, I'm, I've kind of, <laughs> I've got this kind of trauma from when we were in Hong Kong with tear gas. And I don't mind telling everyone in the world that I have this trauma. But any time I have, you know, smoke around me that's bonfire it kind of triggers that off. So I get kind of like this allergic thing. I, I think I'm part dog. You know how dogs hate fireworks? Yeah. 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 They just, they need a chamber. Pets don't like loud and sudden noises. Right, humans. <laughs> <laughs> humans are loud and sudden noises to dogs and cats. Think about it. Think about it. That's why we keep yelling their names. And they're just freaked out. Eh, mm. It's not that they know their name. They just, I don't know, someone's done science about all of this. Anyway, so, yeah, that's the reason we weren't here. Actually, in, in a sense, it was fortunate because there's been a lot of bad stuff happening around the world. Close to home, uh, we had a sort of a failed terrorist attempt in Liverpool where someone was like a suicide bomber. And it's it's not a funny story. But it, it, it's it's kind of a horrific story, but he was in the back of a taxi and the taxi driver saw this guy, noticed him, got out the car just in time mm. and the guy was stuck in the car. So it was just him and the car blew, 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 them, blew, blew up. Bloody, bloody, blowed him up. <laughs> and um, it, it's one of those weird stories that you hear, you know? Uh, but yeah, that's that's... A very short film, if you're ever going to do a short film. No. It's one to research. But there's been a lot of stuff like that, a lot of politics and things, which we don't like to really go into. So the last two weeks have been pretty rubbish. One good yeah. thing or interesting thing, I'm not sure how good it is. I'm conflicted by it. But Steven Gerrard is now the manager of Aston Villa. Okay. Which is a local Premier League team here, Aston Villa. So he uh, lives in Birmingham now? He's in the forest. He's in the He's not in this forest, though. Yeah, he's Maybe in this the, forest. The next forest. No, he's not there. exactly here, but the forest is really big. Yeah. So he's part of the forest somewhere. Because he'd have to like move here to work locally with the club, right? I think they rented him a villa in Aston. Mm. 
hence him being the Aston Villa manager. Yeah. Otherwise, he's just a caretaker of a house. He's what? Yeah. Everyone's (laughs) playing football around him. It's really annoying as a job. You know, like when you go to a park in the UK, like Hyde Park in London, Mm -hmm. and they've got a caretaker house. Aston's got a park and he's in the villa of it. Oh, but if it's a it's if it's a villa, then he's more of a butler. Not not necessarily. He could be part of the cartel. They have villas. You ever seen Narco? No. No, I've seen it advertised on Netflix, (laughs) but I've never watched it. Some people have watched it. It's not my thing, really. I've seen all of that stuff. It's like Scarface and Blue yeah. and all these kind of movies. That genre. But yeah, no, he's he's legitimately the uh, manager. Yeah, very cool. It's interesting. He's actually my hero. I've mm. said that before. So uh hope he's listening. I'm sure he is. Everyone listens. Anyone who's really important listens. Which is why Cowboy Bebop was actually turned into a series on Netflix. Yeah. Live action one. <laughs> after we mentioned it. Yeah. I'm um, pretty sure it wasn't. episodes ago. Well, I'd say it didn't take him a week to make it, but if you watch it, it kind of looks like it did. <laughs> it was it was terrible. It was under the radar for a while, but uh, once we mentioned it, it was like, oh, wait, it's coming out in two weeks. What? Well, we mentioned the lore of what was to be it, because I think the Wachowskis after The Matrix with Keanu were interested in doing it, and then it's gone through the Hollywood loop and the grinder mm-hmm. a few times as a feature film concept. Yeah. But then Netflix launched out the series. And um, now, yeah. It's, um, there's a lot, like, I think if people are listening and they like animated shows or whatever, if you're listening and you have no idea about Japanese anime and series and you're not a nerd and stuff like this, like myself, um, I'm not a nerd. I'm just amazing. And I have to watch all of this stuff because the voices tell it's me to. part of your research. <laughs> <laughs> I have my nerd moments, you see. Um, no, it's... Um, It's a very classic, well-worshipped anime series, which I don't think is ever really a good idea to do a live action of something so popular. Yeah. It's kind of like tough Mm -hmm. to do it. And yeah, you sort of see it. Like if you don't know anything about it and you haven't seen the actual animation, um, it's, I don't know what to experience it, but I don't know if it would be good or not. Mm. It's kind of like too stylistic and not enough, Characters, (laughs) Uh, the characters just seem wooden and strange, and the the acting decisions, the casting direction of it is terrible. Mm. It's probably the worst casting direction I've ever seen in any TV show. Everyone just seems dragged from a college nearby or off the street. It's it's not a good look. Yeah, you know, they've got the kind of visual style of it, but the breakdown, the narrative, all of the the thing about I always say this to folks, and if you're listening, you've heard me say this. Um, but basically, I always watch stuff in the, the language they're produced in, even with subtitles or whatever. Sometimes I challenge myself and don't have subtitles and I have no idea what I'm watching. Um, just leave it on and you sound intellectual. That's what I say. Like if your mom comes in and you're watching something really sketchy, just take the subtitles off <laughs> and just be like, I'm learning Japanese. What? What? Yeah. Yeah. That's what you got to do. Don't be a bad influence. No, it's the truth. And if it's Spanish, like, you know, money heist or as we like to say in Spain, um, that without subtitles, if someone comes in, they feel like you're really smart. But of course you can't, exp- you, you then have to use improv skills to tell them what you're watching. <laughs> That's just a romance story about an office romance in the, in the bank of uh, Madrid. 
And they're like, why are there so why many there guns? So many guns? <laughs> because Latinos have got a hot temperament. As everyone knows it's that. It's part of the le passion. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's metaphor, isn't it? It's metaphor. It's like they're all at risk of losing their job because money's tight in Spain right now after <sighs> the pandemic, so everyone could get fired at any minute. That's basically what you say. See? This is how I got the GCSE <laughs> English. But, um, yeah, no, like the the... I think what's missing because there's a lot of debate online mm. on the biggest debating websites ever like reddit and Quora and stuff like this i think there's two mistakes people make one is in america it's always propagated or it was classically on cartoon network late at night where mm. it's kind of um in english dub as a default so everyone who grew up here in the uk I remember pokemon yeah and when that was on it was always dubbed in english that was your default yeah I think perpetually here in the UK and America and throughout Europe in their first language, they're not seeing the nuances of Japanese. It does translate better, I think, in Spanish mm. than it does in English quite a lot of the time. But the nuances of stuff like character development and the, and the thing within the characters are quite archetyped to like Japanese humor mm. and more fleshed out. So in 25 minutes on the, say, episode of Bebop, you get a lot more substance than you do in seemingly in an hour of a live action version of it, where yeah. it's all style over substance. But I think it's because they'll probably review it in English. Mm -hmm. And the dubs in English tend to just be the voice actors, they hardly paid a thing. So they're not putting a lot of effort in. But of course, it's also this kind of consciousness that it's a cartoon, right? So yeah. only kids watch this cartoon. It doesn't matter if they're swearing in adult themes. It's still aimed at kids. Right. They haven't got in the head that it's just a really good way of saying adult fiction, I guess, mm. in an animated it's way. It's basically like graphic novel as opposed to cart like a... I wouldn't even say that. I think in Japan... The expression for TV and stuff like where the, the magnificence happens in storytelling in Japan is always manga and anime, mm. which is why a lot of their stuff is just a live action yeah. or an uh, animated film. That's what they're famous for these days, mm. right? And the reason for that is they haven't got a budget. Their film studios aren't like Hollywood, so there's no state support or anything like this. It's, it's hard to fund big projects. So you'll probably have three or four a year that are probably based on a book or something like this, but the actual live action stuff, you can always see budget restraints. You can always see it in their television and everything. Mm. It's, it, they're not knocking off a kind of Game of Thrones thing. They could, but they can't afford it, mm. you see? So everything like Gundam and stuff like this or Ultraman, which is like the live action film Ultraman. series. Ultraman. <laughs> it's always there in Japan or Godzilla or something like this. Yeah. They're always low budget as far as the human side of it. Mm. And then... Either a guy dressed up in a suit with ma like miniature buildings smashing through it, or it's all CGI or models, but you can still see the funding isn't there. Mm. Whereas in America, it's like these huge CGI, amazingly funded monsters or something. Like you look at the Godzilla movies coming out of America, and it's there's no hand puppet. You're very disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. It's kind of like where Japan is. I think their technology in these monster movies is basically where the original King Kong was mm. in the 50s, you know, the black and white one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it hasn't really evolved. Yeah. I think there's been attempts, but the, again, the budget and the financing is super crazy. Mm. So it's just not worth trying or competing with. And I think that's where they're at with it. Mm. Uh, when they do great stuff, 
in the indie spectrum. They make up for it in 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 low budget ways. It's yeah. kind of like how we got through film school in the UK. Mm. So I think the the common denominator with all of these kind of attempts is that they don't understand their market audience at all. The culture doesn't translate all the time. It's become niche in America mm. because Japan's everyday culture yeah. sort of feels like a cult niche culture in America now. So everyone's saying like Hawaii culture and sure. Oh, like the convenience store. We've got seven eleven too. Yeah. You know, all of this stuff. But it's it's a whole different thing when you're in Tokyo because a lot of people, from our experience there, they have to live in convenience stores. Convenience stores to them are supermarkets. It's not really a choice. No, it's, <laughs> it's like what's what we, open what have, in the middle yeah. of the night when you finish work. But yeah. that's why all of the quality is, is way higher there, yeah. you know, for the best part. Plus, and I never thought this. I thought it was kind of like it never made sense. But when you go to there and you see the kitchens, like if you are average height UK... You're a giant in these kitchens. They're like model. It's like having a Wendy house kitchen, mm. you know, and you only have limited things that you can actually cook on. There's no oven. Uh, the hubs are probably one. It lucky if you got two. And it feels like your best friend's the microwave, which I don't even process. So when you're actually in Japan and you'll see anything Japanese that's real life, like a documentary series or Terrace House on Netflix, mm something like that, like a reality show, it's actually all miniature and small and tiny. So you'll notice like they'll be making, say, a curry and they're using what we would use, like it's almost a toy version of what we'd use for whisk and cream, Mm. like a spatula, you know? And when they're mixing stuff, that's their default. So there's there's this whole culture that you don't realize is, is life over there because everything's simplified most people don't actually cook at home and when they do fast food like ramen or something like this anything that's pre-made sauces where it's minimal cooking yeah it's your best friend just heating things up and you honestly think that's laziness Mm. until you live it and then you realize it's actually practicality yeah because it's such a tough existence working the the time you work Mm. you don't have time to do a six-hour meal like from scratch it's a, a very different culture, and I, I don't think people fully understand that to a Japanese person, anime and stuff like this is so naturalized to their everyday. Mm-hmm. Everyone's living like Naruto or Dragon Ball. You know, you see it all the time. You know, you're at a, you're at a traffic lights and you're waiting for the lights to go green. Everyone's practicing their Kamehameha. No, they're they are. <laughs> they're, they're like shooting fireballs at each other. No. Yeah. But going back to Bebop just for a minute, I was actually like... It's a music style. No, it's it a is form a of jazz. Style. I I was trying to give it the benefit of the doubt because I watched the trailer and I was like, okay, this is kind of cut interesting. There's a lot of style. I think that was kind of, you know, a clue what they were going to do with it. But then when we got to it, it was just like, it was literally to me looking at it and going, half of it's been lost in translation, more than half. Well, the problem, the the, the actual issue is, um, I kind of feel like they put, so much effort into try and make the intro credits exactly like the animated series yeah like frame by frame almost and they put a lot of stylization into the trailer where they're doing a lot of puns on the kind of comic book panels and stuff like this Mm -hmm. but it still wasn't honest to the original Mm -hmm. the original is kind of like a b-movie sort of sci-fi alternative to something like star wars you know um, without the droids and all of that 
as an onus. It's more human than that. Yeah. Whereas the live action feels like it's kind of taken more from Bruce Lee movies. And it's terrible. Mm. It's like a 1970s throwback film in space. But if you want a more honest live action film, it's Guardians of the Galaxy, which is literally what Bebop is all about. Yeah, actually. Only you got a tree and a raccoon. But apart from that, (laughs) you know, that's that's the Marvel side. (laughs) That's the kind of subtle humor and everything Mm. else that you need to put into it for nuances. Yeah. Now, if you're watching Guardians of the Galaxy... That was a hit because everyone loved it. Yeah. All ages. And that's what it sort of Bebop was so popular yeah, the for original. was that it was more top end adult humor, but you know, kids could appreciate it. Mm. Something for everyone. And that's kind of what Japan's all about. Like when you do an animation, you don't have to worry about budget. Mm-hmm. So when you're doing a live action interpretation of something really you'd have to spend millions and millions and millions and millions to get it anywhere near the animated show. Yeah. I would say your best bet is to reinterpret it and, mm. and sort of complete from ground up, not cosplay it, so get all the visual style so human beings are wearing anime clothes because it, it never looks good, you know? Yeah. It's kind of like, um, there's just a lot of this stuff, like Rurouni Kenshin, we, we, we sort of brought that up once or twice, but... That's just a guy from Japan wearing an orange wig in a kimono that no one ever wore. Mm. And I think you have to naturalize stuff. There's, it's, it's kind of a tip for Japan as well, because when they do live action, it's very rarely good. You know, it doesn't translate to film. Yeah. So if you, you've got to change the medium. If you look at the comic, the comic to the anime, mm. there's also a change in the medium then because yeah. of comics interpretation. So if the anime gets it right from the manga, which is super successful. Yeah. You could argue that the animations hit the mark of the manga, which is usually right because the creator of the manga is working on the anime Mm -hmm. as a consultant or a producer or whatever. But when it translates to live action, it has to be reinterpreted. You know, you have to really think of it in 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 the sense of film. So Bebop should have looked more like um, you shouldn't have been able to tell the characters off face value. I think it should have had more sense of reality but what they were doing with it was just butchering all of the nuances all the cleverness and everyone was acting lines that felt like it was dubbed anime which there was no intelligence <laughs> in the script it was almost a conversation's like yeah hey my pizza ready no your, your pizza's not ready and we don't have any molo like this <laughs> it's like this is new but it's just like I could do a whole thing of just how terrible anime voice dubbing yeah. is. It's so terrible. I, I think the worst one I ever saw was in the original Dragon Ball, the, the old <laughs> yeah. the old one, where they've got like weird Canadian Scottish accents. Yeah. Because it's like a Canadian doing a Scottish accent, but he can't pull it off. So it's somewhere between Irish and Canadian and Scottish. Mm. Why? Mm. What? Whose idea was it to like create that? That you know? was the guy they could get. It's kind of like, because, <laughs> you, know? you know, in Japan... Also, translations are wrong. There's no swearing in Japan. So the construct of a lot of F words and all of this stuff to make it seem mature, is it's incorrect. And then you drop in sayings that have no relevance to what's being said. But of course, I understand what they're trying to do. There's like a kind of, we're, we're trying to give you the, the footnotes, really. Mm. But this has become a culture where, so we saw this when we were in Tokyo and we were talking about it with Pete, but... 
there's a lot of cosplay culture in Akihabara and, mm. and where we work as we're in the student area of Tokyo. And when you're in these areas, these people who are dressed in cosplay from the West are in the characters that they see in English. They don't see in Japanese. Yeah. You can tell because the way they're talking. It's kind of like this, this joke where I'll give you an example. There's a lot of people alienated now, but there's a certain catchphrase or something, which in Japan is kind of a speech impediment, like mm. a, a group of sounds that don't mean anything, like databayo, which is Naruto, mm. right? And they've translated it as a catchphrase. It's not a catchphrase. It's a speech impediment that his mom's got and stuff like this. And so in the Japanese language, it makes sense. It's kind of like a weird honorific mm. that shouldn't be there. Which could argue is a kind of regional accent or something attached sure. to it. Yeah. Um, it's to make them seem a bit country bumpkin or something a little wild. I like that explanation. It's more accent than catchphrase. It's but totally. they actually translate it into yeah. something. Whereas here they thought, isn't. well, we've got to translate that to something. Because mm. we can't just say data, but oh, it doesn't mean anything in English, right? Yeah. But it does mean anything in Japanese. <laughs> it's just wrong, yeah. you know? It's surplus couplings. So it doesn't make a lot of sense. So... For us, for some reason, the creators were like, let's just translate this as believe it. Mm. So now whenever ninjas or shinobi or anything like this is mentioned, they make jokes by saying believe it. Like believe it. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and everyone's saying it. Now, you go to all Comic-Cons around the UK and the USA. And, and the Japanese are like, what is this about? No, you'll go to all of this stuff. The Japanese find it cute. They, they don't understand how, because their their whole... That's an interesting translation. Yeah, but their whole culture is about honor. And of course, if they're getting fat checks somewhere down the line, they're not going to care so much. But their culture is all appreciation and just, I'm so grateful this is even in London. Yeah. You know, I'm so thankful. I appreciate that, you're trying. Right. I'm thankful this is even known about in New York or, you know, even Delaware yeah. or somewhere like this, right? Mm -hmm. But the kids are in this illusion of what, the actual culture is yeah and it's weird because there's a lot of k-drama stuff in america now if i can ask anyone who's listening here a relatively younger audience because a lot of the older ones are like what are you going <laughs> you're talking <laughs> you might as well be talking martians and marzipan i'm like sure i can talk martians and marzipan for days <laughs> but in korean dramas you got no choice it's all subtitles it's not like you're watching squid game and i've got a bad dub if you watch yeah. Squid Game and it's in a bad dub, like... Yeah, can you imagine? It would be something like this. Oh, I'm bankrupt. You're bankrupt. You got to go out and get a job, Sasuke. Because that's his name. <laughs> Why do I have to get a job, mom? Get off <laughs> yeah. me. Oh, my God. Right? Yeah. You got to get a job. Everyone's got a job. You, do, you know, Ethel down the road is worried about me Ethel. because my son doesn't have a job and he's really old, you know? I don't want to get a job, Mom. I just want to stay in bed and play the fiddle. You know, it's <laughs> it's kind of stuff like that. And none of that exists. But if it did exist, the context of that, you would never take it seriously. Yeah, there's actually added meaning right. in the translation so what I can't understand, originally there. What I can't understand is it's the same logic. Which is why it wins the argument every time. If you're watching anything animated or not, it's that deep. The, the, you know, it's like, you know how we always laugh? We're watching Die Hard. Everyone knows Die Hard, Bruce Willis, blah, blah, blah. And then you see the Spanish trailer. Mm, yeah. And Bruce Willis <laughs> sounds like a weird, pervy Mexican uh, auteur on, on the radio, you know. You know, it's like this weird, deep Batman of Spain voice used mm. for Bruce Willis, the alpha male voice yeah, that they yeah, have. Yeah. We need the alpha. Bring the alpha in. <laughs> 
okay, I'm here for, you know, it's like this deep thing. We're always in fits and giggles over that. It's exactly the same. Yeah. It sounds so alien, right? And I never knew Bruce Willis sounded like that in Spanish. <laughs> He's the uh, Spanish alpha. Um, but yeah, like, I just think that, that that's basically the breakdown. I know I have thought about this, but it's kind of like, you know, we're, we're essentially filmmakers ourselves. And one thing that I always think is missing quite a lot in a lot of Asian cinema is it's seemingly restricted and restrained to think originally anymore as far as film is concerned. Mm. So, of course, me as the white dude kind of goes out there and tries to bring <laughs> bring all the Asian uh, lore and stuff to light in a way that's fresh and new. Mm -hmm. But, of course, you know, it doesn't always work out. Well, and we try to keep the, the translation of not only the language but the culture intact. Well, well you got to have the base. I think, for me, it's kind of like you got to have the base in the country you're in. So if I'm filming in Japan, most of the language is going to be Japanese. Yeah, like context is just so important. Well, it's also super weird. If you've ever seen, like, there was a film on Netflix recently where it's kind of an assassin film, you mm. know, and uh, girls in Japan was Woody Harrelson and then names elude me. Kate? I don't know. Is that the film? It's, yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to say, it's Sophie. Okay. It's anything that you can spell. I don't know which with. film you're talking it's about. It's anything yet. you can sell, spell with four letters. Okay. Because that's cool. You know, Kate or Sophie with an I. Yeah. This is like a pitching room in LA. You got a film idea? I still don't know if it's the film that you're talking <laughs> totally about. Totally. <laughs> got to do your film with what four about letters. That film? What about that film? Anyway, with that. <laughs> Just gonna. What's the name, Mary? No. What is Steen Winstead or what something? What is the no? What is the point? The, that the point that the I'm film? trying to say is it's a film set in Tokyo with no Japanese characters. Everyone's speaking in English. Doesn't make any sense. That as a premise, it's like Ghost in the Shell. You watch Ghost in the Shell. It's not that Scarlett Johansson's in the role. I don't think that's a problem because she's a robot. Mm. Robots. Last time I checked, don't look anything. They look like a freaking robot. She's a robot. She just looks human. <laughs> go figure Any robocop human. whatever mm. she could be made in china she should have been chinese <laughs> all i'm saying is <laughs> the concept is <laughs> the concept is you're in asia mm. no one's speaking in an asian language so that's offsetting it doesn't make sense so therefore you've already automatically ruled out the asian audience mm -hmm. you know you're filming in their back garden but no one's speaking their language. So maybe the starting point is culturally speaking, it should be the language of the place you're in. Mm. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah. You know? So I always had this theory, like if you're making a film in America, but the cast is multi-ethnic, what you got to do is have a balance where, because it's very difficult. If you're a Japanese actor or a Hong Kong actor in America, it's very difficult to constantly do English because that you, you're not going to be first language English. So you need to showcase them a scene in their own language just mm -hmm. to be kind. Just to be fair. <laughs> right. Now, Bebop, you see, was filmed mostly on Mars. Oh, was it? <laughs> and yet there's no Martians in it. No. That's racist. It's oh. very, very racist to not feature Martians if you're filming on <laughs> Mars. Isn't that speciest, not racist? I don't know. I think the fact we call Martians Martians and Mars Mars, you could say, is that's kind pretty, of ignorant. That's true. Because they call true. it Zindong Fung Lung Lung Bung Five or something. Okay. 
Sad to say. It's got a number in it. Anyway, all of the money basically went into the set and the costumes, not the story. <laughs> and if you are a budding filmmaker out there in the world... Don't watch it. You should watch it. To Don't see what, watch no, it. No, I think it's the best example of how not to cast in direct. Mm. How to waste a lot of money. How to get the pace how, wrong. The thing that's baffling to me is Netflix seems to have this kind of self-produced content. Like The Witcher... Bebop, uh, even the Marvel stuff, Daredevil and things like this, where a lot of the funding is either on the visual elements of it, the mm. world building, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. or the characters, the actors. Okay? So you get something like Daredevil. The cast is absolutely phenomenal in Daredevil, for the best part. But then the stylization of it starts to lose itself. So it starts to become... Almost filmed like a Marvel thing filmed in three locations. Mm. So it becomes a sitcom action sitcom. Yeah. If that makes any sense. <laughs> yeah. So you're in three locations, you basically do this thing where you just get a bunch of ninjas. That's horrendous. Like they'd, they'd put so much interpretation into it to, to modify it and make it believable. And then it just fell apart when you're seeing a bunch of ninjas jumping around New York. I mean, you know. Mm bit lame even though that's the context of the comics they'd walked away from that to try and make it realistic you see because right. he's kind of like an actual vigilante you know he's he's kind of like kick-ass he's got all of the vulnerabilities of a real life vigilante mm. as opposed to superman who <laughs> would be an amazing film noir let's be honest if you were to gender smash superman and make it Genre smash, not yeah. gender smash. No, gender smash. Because then it would be superwoman. Wow. Or super trans. <laughs> I don't know. Trans hero. <laughs> so if you genre smashed Superman, made yeah. it a film noir, you'd get kind of daredevil -y, but he doesn't have invulnerability. And I thought that was a clever thing that they really focused on, you know? They made him quite a fragile superhero, even mm. though he's got really sharp senses. He's also blind. Yeah. Spoiler. Um, and he shouldn't have worked as a lawyer. He should have been a stunt guy, don't you think? What? Yeah. No, because it's a it's a secret identity. Well, no one's going to deduce. Yeah, they will. No one's going to deduce. Why is this I've blind? I've seen that back before. <laughs> Why is this blind dude doing stunts so well? <laughs> What's up with that? You know. Um, but no, there was a lot of issues with the Marvel things. I think they they you could start to see the constraint. They started so strongly. Mm that they started to fall apart. And I think this is the, the problem producing on Netflix because for some reason, they sort of say, we got to give you six series and that's it, limit. Yeah. The end. Even though the fan base, because I think people are impatient with streaming sites because we've been in network television for so long. Network television is always about ratings and yeah. how many people's watching and you can get numbers and all this stuff. And that was the whole 80s and 90s of TV, you know. Whereas Netflix is harder to deduce because an audience might hear about it three months after it stopped mm -hmm. and then it becomes this cult phenomenon, you know? And yeah, it's sort it's, of... Now it's uh, audience retention. Well, there's so much content that you're kind of looking at these streaming services going, I'll get around to watching that eventually. Yeah. Like Tiger King. <laughs> I've heard about it. Bookmark, bookmark. I was disappointed there was no King of Tigers in that. I thought, I thought that was a Marvel series. Tiger King. It sounded like, you know, I thought it was going to be like, you know, superhero. Black Panther. 
kind of a deal. <laughs> you know, like the king of tigers, you know. Because Lion King, Lion Sky King, you know, um, Simba, you know. And his dad, Mufasa, Darth Vader, and Star Wars. You know, like yeah. that's all happened. <laughs> so I was thinking, oh, this will be cool, you know. And of course, they, they, they also change the adverts every week. Like it used to be Joe Exotic's face and therefore... Oh, you, like the posters. That's yeah, the icons. The Joe Exotic face, when mm. it was just his face with a little mullet and stuff, no offense to him, but that kind of looked like shopping at Poundland or something. You know, it wasn't... It didn't look like a classy <laughs> TV show, right? And then the next one they did was actually a tiger with a crown on it. And I was like, that's what I saw. And I was like, oh, Literal this, metaphor. this must be like, you know, one of these awesome sort of Bojack Horseman series of man animal, you know. But it wasn't. It was about a redneck dude in uh, in uh, some states being crazy. Mm-hmm. It's a crazy story. But anyway, like you'll see something like that and it'll take you a while to see it. You'll hear about it. Everyone's like, you got to see this thing. It's crazy. But for most people, it takes a month after the fact, right? Mm-hmm. And they'll just jam it through a weekend. So you get no real honest depiction of where your ratings and your your who's your audience and whatever. It seems a very arrogant production side. It seems very arrogant. Mm. Like they'll watch this as long as we feed it them, you know? Yeah. And then we'll take it away from them the minute it gets good. That's probably the problem with subscription though. Well, I just you know, I always think like a story should be told and it's com- until it's completed. Yeah. And if you have to rush that process, it's never gonna end well. And that's the problem. You know, like, if you watched a movie and say your whole film, so you got a two and a half hour movie, right? The first hour, absolutely amazing. Then it lulls a bit for half an hour and then it picks up for the last hour. Mm. That's usually the common thread. Or it's rubbish for the first hour and then it picks up a little bit and then the ending's a twist you don't see and it becomes brilliant. It could be that narrative. But it takes that whole time to witness the movie, mm. you know, um, unless it's terrible. <laughs> and it doesn't matter what part of it you, you're watching. You know, if you don't relate to it, it's just horrendous. In TV series, if you think about it, you've got that but constraint over how long it takes to tell a narrative. Mm. And I think a lot of the mistakes in the industry, in my opinion, is that they might have a beginning for this story or it might adapt from a book like Dexter did, right? Yeah. Where you've got the general theory of the story. Yeah. And that's good enough for one series to get you piloted and off to the races. But then you've run out of books yeah. for material <laughs> and you really didn't have an end game. Mm. So you had a premise but no direction. Well, you, you kind of then just milk in the format. Yeah. And so it gets to the end and then the end's never going to make anyone happy. So you might as well just do whatever. And because that was so beloved, eventually 20 years later, whatever, it's been 10, you bring it back to life and it it. concludes it. You Mm. know, they kind of did the same thing with Twin Peaks. I just think that a story should be told. This is what I'm saying to anyone who's out there. This is only my vibe. You can tell me to go put my head in the toilet or whatever. (laughs) But what I think is you have to have the story start but have the end in sight and know how long it's going to take to get to the ending Mm. and therefore when you sign up a project it's really for the completion of the project yeah and it could take seven eight seasons nine seasons the best thing about that would be in game of thrones Mm. because again that's exactly the point they ran out of the source material right and I had to kind of improvise the ending. Yeah. As the only series, everyone's like, Jesus, this is terrible. Mm. And Ed Sheeran plays a guitar. What? Yes. 
Okay. That was so super weird. Super weird? That was super, super weird. That's like watching Cowboy Bebop and then Britney Spears does a song in it for no reason <laughs> whilst riding the back of a yak. Yes. Crazy weird stuff. <laughs> what? Well, he was a minstrel in Game of Thrones. Mm. Cam- when they start doing that, it became, it kind of, it wasn't the context or the thing to do that in. It's not like you're watching a Conan O'Brien talk show and then suddenly, this is my guest tonight and it's Ed Sheeran. Mm. Fine, that makes sense. In Game of Thrones, celebrity cameras did not make sense. Yeah. It was, um, there's too much cash carrying. And I think this is a problem. You, you, you kind of have to have a project with the, the range of it. It has to have a completion. Yeah. You know. And you have to get that. You're probably best to write the first ever episode and the final episode. And then if you're going to improvise, improvise how to get from A to, to D. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's terrible because no one knows how to end stuff. And then it's canceled or whatever because the networks, especially Netflix, are so horrible with this. Because you can like, I remember they did a Dirt Gently, which is like yeah. Douglas Adams. He wrote Hitchhiker's Guide. It was his sort of spin-off series or whatever. And it sort of ended at the best point of the series. The whole series was absurd, surreal and strange. But then towards the end, they actually started making contextual sense and becoming really clever and watchable and addictive. And then it was cancelled. So mm. we'll never get the story. Yeah. You know? It had two seasons, I think. No, one. Just well, one? If it was two yeah it needed more yeah, is my yeah. point it was starting to establish itself yeah and then it just stopped and then you get something like bebop which you you know we we watched the first episode and it's so bad that it's almost like how can you justify this being made and yet they, they've canceled some really good stuff around it mm-hmm. it, it doesn't make sense mm-hmm. and um being that we make films and stuff like this, it's uh, what I was trying to allude to is like, for me, I always see sort of like, there's there's so many people talking about this in podcasts in general, like comedy, didn't, comedians talking about comedy uh, in cars, getting coffee, um, <laughs> or any old podcast like film breakdowns or even the producers of a series talking about the series they worked on or whatever. It, it happens all the time in America. Yeah doesn't happen so much here because we we have football ones and stand-up comedy ones and stuff but we don't really have filmmakers talking there should be more of us by the way in the uk represent Mm -hmm. but my philosophy is always like you should stand by what you create because a lot of us are writer producer actors directors multitasking people this day and age because technology has allowed us to be yeah you know but what i'm trying to say is everyone who's talking film they're always talking about, oh, I want to be the next Orson Welles or I want to be the next Spielberg or mm. this guy was really my inspiration and I want to try and base my style on J.J. <laughs> Abrams. I want to do my cinematography like X, Y, and Z. And that's the wrong way of thinking about it because I think that you have to represent your own vision. It always starts with a story. Mm. If you're looking at a story like what tint I'm using in the edit room, yeah. It it it's it becomes Cowboy Bebop, the the live action where it's all style. And then the characters, you can't believe these are real things. These characters are not believable, you know, mm-hmm. in, in, in any sense. There's no personality or sense of drawn or anything like this. It's all just lines off a script, you yeah. know. So anyway, we uh we don't want to spend the whole time 
just waffling on about films and and you know my theories on them but i will say any budding people out there who want to kind of like there's a lot of really inspiring fan films actually it's almost like you see a lot of youtube fan films halo is a good example of that like video game tie-ins stuff like this where they they do the films themselves in a kind of genre of maybe it's a cosplay thing but there seems to be a lot more behind them yeah almost like fans are the best people to make these films they put so much effort into them some amazing stuff yeah you know like there's some amazing stuff out. i've had like really good friends of mine in los angeles like making this stuff for years and you know it's it's like amazing to see what they can do mm-hmm. so uh nod to eric there he knows who he is he's a good dude um but and alex and jimmy all of those lads mm-hmm. i'm just making names of, and brian <laughs> and benjamin and flappy mcflapsy he's cool he's spider-man on the hollywood walk if you ever see spider-man on hollywood walk of fame it's flappy mcflapsy yeah. just say all right flappy <laughs> Doing Australian <laughs> voices from Sydney. Um, anyway, so enough about that nonsense, film and such. I didn't expect to go so deep into like the reasons I hate the like, actually. Be, I feel like it's kind of like because I do. I honestly think that, and I said this before. If there was ever going to be a converted anime, it's one of the easiest ones to do right. Mm. It's kind of all there. Yeah. And then to see it done so miserably wrong, it's almost like <laughs> the Jesus. Disappointment is unfathomable. She's like, it's Jesus. Uh <laughs> it's it's pretty um well it's just wrong. Yeah. Don't watch it. Or watch it. No, watch the anime in Japanese. Yeah, no, you should you should watch both and compare it. But if you watch in Japanese and then watch the live action I think you'll see what we saw in 25 minutes of episode one of the animation. Mm-hmm. There's so much more character building, world building. Context. There's, there's just, yeah, the context, but it's also nuance and, and there's so much more soul. Mm-hmm. In the live action, there's none of it. It's just stylized. Like they just say to, uh, you know, lead guy, John uh, Cho. Yeah, yeah. John Cho, who's really good in a lot of things, mm-hmm. really good in Star Trek as well, um, amongst other things. He's a very good actor. But it's almost like just be Bruce Lee in this whole thing, but more kind of cool and suave. And, and there's no personality. You see nothing in the character. He's just cool. Everyone just looks cool. It's all like <laughs> an acting exercise that you do in a drama class. Yeah. You know, be cool. That's the idea of cool, right? Be aggressive. That's aggressive. It's mm. It's sad to see it but it's obviously like there's no focus on the characters and it's all about style which is what i said netflix does mm. it's either about one or the other it's kind of like the witcher suffers and yeah. this is, <laughs> i said i wasn't going to go into it i'm going into it the witcher suffers because it's more um the acting than it is the the the, the actual effects by the portal effects which are pretty good the cgi monster effects are really bad right they, they're really bad I actually started reading the book that The Witcher is based on. So yeah, well, that's great. It's a very different experience. <laughs> I I played video games. Yeah. A lot yeah. of people do that because books are, you know, they're there to be put on shelves. No. They're there so your imagination can flesh it out to the best possible story. They're there so you can cut a hole into it. Better than any CGI. No, you can cut a hole into it and you can stick a secret key. That's why they're there. <laughs> Have you not watched the film? <laughs> no. I'm pretty sure that was in Harry Potter as well. <laughs> Have you seen the secret key to the chamber of 
Secret. You said secret twice in a sentence, Harry. I Redundant. Know, Edit I know, that out, please. I know the film scripts are, you know, I can't tell you that they're just written by the same people who did B, but are they, Harry? Yes, they are. Why am I speaking breaking the, third, th- the fourth wall? That's what you're doing, not the third wall. The third wall is already broken. The fourth wall, right. Uh, yeah. And so he keeps the key to the Chamber of Secrets in a book in the library. It's in a sense. He could, you know, you've seen it in films all the time. It's yeah, a trope yeah, yeah, now. Yeah. You cut it out. I know. Ruin a good book. <laughs> well, there's so many Harry Potters. I think there's 250 of them. But uh. you can ruin a lot of them. It doesn't really matter. Mm-hmm. Well, a lot of people do. It's a life hack. Life hack. Yeah. Anyway, isn't that genetic modification? Life hacking. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. Like, isn't that what it actually is? I'm wondering how long it takes for Hollywood because you know how Hollywood works in phases where it's like what we're going to do adaptations of everything yeah and it's a phase so it's comic book phase right Uh, sequel phase yeah it's comic book phase right now we're in the comic book era Mm -hmm. where the only films anyone's really caring about is comic book films and they range from really established brilliant comic books Mm -hmm. like Marvel and DC to these kind of people that you've never heard of, like Bloodshot's a good example, Vin Diesel movie that's on Netflix. Yeah. Um, that is from Valiant, and no one's ever heard of Valiant comics. Probably four people in the Yak have heard of Valiant. Okay. And yet they're trying to build their universe, and that was terrible too. Yeah. <laughs> that was a really bad, it was almost like the Terminator meets Riddick. Yeah. It was super bad. That's what it should have it been called, but that's what clever, Seth Rogen's for. But it didn't work out. Uh, it was like a, <laughs> without trying to uh, ruin anything, it's like a cliche trying to be an anti-cliche, but ending up being a cliche by the end of it. Well, what I think it should have been retitled is Furious, but not that fast. <laughs> right? Drags it along. It, it's just, it was just like, well, it's, it's, there's a lot of anger in this, <laughs> but there's it, it, it's so painful. Like, how many slow-mo fight sequences does one need in their life? There's like about an hour and a half of slow-mo drop kicks through cars. And, anyway, whatever. I digress. So I'm not saying it's like I'm the, the, the film critic of the year award. I'm just saying, like, these are all my casual observations of the movies that are coming out. But anyway, I wanted to... And on another thing, we talked about Stevie Gerrard, mm. right? And it's Thanksgiving scene. It is. So, week. yeah. So you you know you got to be you got to be aware of the things you're thankful for because being in England, we don't celebrate this. I've talked about this before mm-hmm. every year. In fact, <laughs> that there's been one. Uh, we don't do Thanksgiving here. We we're never very that thankful, to be honest. Uh, what have <laughs> we got to be thankful? Freezing weather. Not very <laughs> thankful for that. What else? Uh, oh, um, seeing relatives. No one wants to see relatives. <laughs> Don't want to be thankful for them. Uh, you, you avoid them until Christmas, and then you have no choice. Yeah. You, of, <laughs> you don't really get an excuse. Um, so I was just thinking of what I'm thankful for, and I'm thankful of Man United getting rid of uh, Oli Gunnar Skullshire. Okay. Uh, he's gone. I'm not really thankful that he's gone. I was actually thankful he was there. Because they've been on this amazing losing streak. It's really <laughs> embarrassing for them. And I, I'm a big Liverpool supporter. So that's really fun to me. 
but they have got rid of him and they're looking for a bigger name in football. You know how everyone says that? Like this manager doesn't fit the club. We need yeah. a big manager, big name manager. Yeah. I don't think there's anyone in management of football that has a bigger name than Oli Gunnar Skolsar. It's a massive name. Okay. I'm just saying that. That's a huge name. Mm. Can't get a bigger name than that. So when they say it's not a right fit, it's almost like they've been wrongly cast. No, it doesn't fit on a t-shirt. It's such a long name. <laughs> so it's not the right fit for his you know, managers have shirts on. You know how all the players have their kits? Yeah. The manager has to wear one under his suit. Does he? Yeah. Does he have his name on the Well, whenever you see a manager well? sign for a club, yeah. if you believe FIFA and the games, FIFA, you always see the the manager holding up a shirt right. with his number on it. Okay. Like a promo thing. Mm -hmm. Like, look, mm -hmm. I've just signed for this club like mm -hmm. a player, but I'm not a manager. Ironic. They wear it under the suit like Superman. So in half time... <laughs> After they find the nearest uh, phone booth or whatever, and they run in there, you know, do a kind of quick change, and then they can you imagine if Superman got it wrong? Yeah. Like he's got his socks tucked over his mm. thing, and he's halfway wearing his Superman outfit. And half not, you know, they had to change all of that for the new ones. There was no uh, no old Superman tropes in the Henry Cavill movies. Um, um, you know, it's uh. It's what the managers do. They they have the kits on underneath. Mm. Yeah, just because they might be the last player they can substitute if everyone's they injured just on have the bench. To run on. <laughs> they're all the last ones. That they're the last man last of the man team. Standing. Yeah, that's why the names always at the bottom of the list. No, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You know how they sometimes say that there's a lot of match fixing in football and stuff. There's this theory. Yeah just to be boring about football because I'm <laughs> thankful for it. I love the sport. Um, I understand why they think that. The conspiracy started because every game you go to, they always give you a program. Okay. And the program always states... What the fixture is? Correct. <laughs> so it's all fixed, you see? <laughs> it's, it's, it's programmed, you could argue. Ah. So, <laughs> you know. Anyway, boring. Um, so anyway, anyone who's out there in the world... And doesn't celebrate Thanksgiving because it's only America that does. But if you do any around the world uh, and you want to get in on it and you're not American. Just be you thankful. Just, and you just want to be thankful that day. Think of one thing that you're thankful for. Yeah. Happy Grateful Day. Is it though? Really? Every day is See, Grateful they're, Day. They're thankful because they get to meet the family. It's like a, it's almost like an audition for Christmas, isn't it? Thanksgiving in America. It's like... You know, because it's kind of like we're going to do Christmas yeah. before Christmas. I guess it's really good if you've got a big family. So half the family that you can see at Thanksgiving, yeah. but you can't see at Christmas. Or see one side of the family for Thanksgiving and then the other side for Christmas. So if Romeo and Juliet had been established in America, there'd have been no issue. Uh, <laughs> that's, a, that's the moral of the story. <laughs> They could have gotten married, but then kept all yeah, exactly. Because the they go and visit the Montagues <laughs> at Thanksgiving and the Capulets on Christmas. I'm pretty sure that's that. Uh, yeah, uh, that's how you do it. That's an interesting interpretation, isn't it? Someone adapt it. Will Ferrell. It's a Will Ferrell movie. <laughs> I'm just saying. Will Ferrell like Christmas that. movie. <laughs> well, if you want to put a happy ending to Romeo and Juliet, yeah, it's a Will Ferrell movie. All right. Absolutely, 100. percent so anyway, be thankful. Uh, we're thankful. We're thankful for all of you staying with us because we couldn't, you know, we keep skipping weeks left, right, and center. We don't mean to. Uh, it's just, 
the nature of life in a forest, unfortunately. But we'll always be back. Yeah, we will. And we'll sometimes be back when we say we'll be back, which it will be. <laughs> unless something crazy we'll happens. Like to surprise you. We'll be back in two weeks for sure. We'll be back. Um, we got some stuff to talk about because there's a future, you know, there's a future thing you're doing. It's exciting, isn't there? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You're discovering diamonds. Have they been discovered, diamonds? <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Tell them next time. Isn't this a conversation between two gods? What? Diamonds been discovered. No, they haven't figured them out yet. You know, between two gods, it says that Galifianakis show on YouTube. That'd be a really funny show. Like if it's a podcast between two gods, any gods you want, there's a lot of them, and they're having a conversation about stuff. <laughs> That'd be good, wouldn't it? I'm just pointing thoughts out in the world. You Zeus can cut, is going to talk with Jesus you next can week. Cut this out. It's a conversation between the gods. Neptune is talking to Callie <laughs> about Fournier. Callie Fournier. <laughs> I don't know. I've got no... By the way, has there only been a forest fire in California this year? It doesn't seem like there has been. Well, everyone's like... There's been an exodus, so even if there is, maybe no one's there to witness it. Doesn't it makes sense that if there is a fire start every year, but there's a lot of people fire that have left, starter. maybe the reason for the fires has gone somewhere else. <laughs> oh, no. Hopefully a place with no forests. I don't know, man. So, um, yeah, so anyway, we'll be back. We will be back in two weeks. I'm just going to cement that in absolutes. But what is time? Merely a concept, Zeus. Two two Mars weeks You're a are slightly fake, different. You fake Odin. <laughs> you. End it. End it. You has been. Um. So, enjoy Thanksgiving if you are in America, around the world, and are American, and celebrate such an occasion. For the rest of us, uh, just have another normal day like every other day, and we shall see you in two weeks. Take care, everyone.